Before we start today's show, I'd just like to dedicate this show to Patrick Malone. Patrick's come to cancer only last week and he's left a huge void in everyone's life that knew him. Patrick, you're in our thoughts all the time. I'm just going to hand this over now to Kurt Cornwell, one of our mutual friends who can just put it into much better terms than I can. And Mick has asked if I'd say a few words about our friend Patrick Malone, who passed away just a few days ago. Patrick was a good friend um, to me and to everyone in the MKG family. He was a talented martial artist, extremely powerful in physicality and in mind, uh, both on the mat and off. And he had a certain kind of grace and gentleness that everyone took note of uh, in spite of his awe-inspiring physicality that uh, he was able to move all of that around in a way that it, it had to really be seen to believe. I think sometimes it was quite an impressive feat. He was an incredibly kind person, very famous, I think, for his smile, uh, the kind of smile that just lit up a room, his whole face lit up, and it made you feel like you were the only person standing there when he talked to you, undivided attention every time, um, an incredibly uncommon thing in my experience. He is supportive of me as a person, as a martial artist, and uh, that's how he was with everyone around him. He just liked to watch people thrive. He was rare, he was good, and he was our brother. And he still is, and we'll miss him every day. So thank you, Patrick. Good feelings, man. matters a lot to, to people in martial art world or different martial art communities in a way that I've never understood or, or honestly I don't actually agree with yeah <laughs> but, um, because to me it's not you know there's tons of people oh I've trained with this person I've trained with that person I've trained with that person great what can you pass from that person hi this is Mick Tully and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts on today's show, I've got one of the most intelligent men that I know. Chris Harley is, I would say, in my top five martial artists when it comes to Wing Chun and just basically to understand body mechanics. He was one of the last guys to spend a real extended amount of time with Sifu Larry Hartzell before Sifu Larry sadly passed away far too early. You can see that in his training method, the way he teaches, his demeanor. So sit back and enjoy the show. I'm Christopher Harley. I'm currently based in Minneapolis, but uh, I'm on my way to the Bay Area where I'm originally from. Um, my background is Jeet Kune Do, Kali, Muay Thai, various grappling arts, and Wing Chun, mainly. Um, I am associated with uh, my first instructorship is under Larry Hartzell for Jun Fan Jeet Kune Do Grappling. Um, then I have an instructorship under uh, Guru Dan and Asano in Kali, in Silat. Oh, I, meant, I forgot to mention Silat. Yes. And, uh, and in uh, JKD. Um, I have an instructorship under uh, Rick Fay in MKG Method. And uh, I'm an instructor under Francis Fong in Wing Chun. 
I think that's all of it. Chris is a, just like the funniest guy to hang out with. He was the first, and this is official, he was the first American I met that really got sarcasm. Like, some people understand sarcasm, but he was like, the guy's got like a sardonic wit, and he's just... It, it literally it, it I even and I'm like the king of banter and it actually took me a minute to realise it was one of those where we looked at each other and went ah a kindred soul I see you yeah I see you <laughs> yeah yeah and that's right and it was uh, yeah his sense of humour like his skill level's mad where we've got some great stories to share about that but um, it, where, where did that come from because that's not uh, an atypical you know sense of humor that you've got you know this right um i'm not entirely sure but uh, if i were to guess because it would pretty much just be a guess um my family place has always placed a, a premium on travel uh, particularly to experience other uh, wild spaces and other cultures right and i think from an early age that being around a lot of other cultures and being able to see lots of different perspectives about how people do things and you, I just really learned not to take anything too seriously or too personally Yeah, and uh, I think that develops that kind of outlook and sense of humor the, at the Carly Group, it's like nothing sacred, you know. It, <laughs> if you if you walked in here and you were you were a bit precious about yourself, or God forbid the art, which uh, we all re- like, what we, we we follow great great men, right, and women, um, but they wouldn't want us to be precious about it, and oh. yeah, God no, <laughs> that's what attracted me to the art because my first exposure were were people under uh, directly under Rick and, and under Guru Dan um, and their sense of humor um, and the way they went about it and keeping it light but but focused yes um, and then my first time coming here and, and checking out the gym and uh, right away I was just sold on this is that atmosphere I've been looking for this yeah. is you know Everyone's here for their own reasons, to have a good time, to get the most that they can get for themselves. Um, work hard, but, yeah. but, you know, lots of smiling, lots of, lots of having a good time. Yeah, the, the, the work hard ethics are a huge one. It's, uh, and, it, it, you know, it really, it, it pays dividends. You, you've seen that in the, you know, in the health and everything. So when did you start training? Uh, I was first exposed in 99. And I was uh, attending a class at Tom Brown Jr.'s Tracking and Wilderness Survival School in New Jersey. Right. Um, and I'd been going there since I was 15. And right. uh, it was the class that I had been trying to get to since I first took a class there. So, uh, yeah, that took quite a long time. It was almost 10 years before. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a... And, uh, yeah. And uh, there's a martial art component of that class that's taught in the morning. Um, yeah. and George Larson, Vanessa Herbst, and Paul Palmer were the instructors for that. They'd been tracker students for a long time, and, and so they taught that, and they would bring in an assistant, and that year they brought uh, Big Todd, Atticus Todd, yeah. um, who... Le- he, legend. He, I think, is actually the kindest, funniest, I mean, best person but, that, that you know, but... Yeah, <laughs> we both know him. But. Yeah, he's a great guy, isn't he? He's he's fantastic. Which stayed the movie he was in Crank Three, <laughs> <Cranked>. right? <laughs> yeah, he gets uh, he gets his groin throttled 
Yeah. I, I, it's the only time I've ever watched an action movie where I physically cringed because I couldn't separate. Oh, that's my buddy. I know it's not real, but oh, uh, oh. <laughs> so, you know, you, you don't just turn up and train for a week, right? You, you immerse yourself in it, right? That's, um, well, I, I started out very seminar-based, yeah. Um, and so I did do a lot of sort of, you know, things like Kali Camp for multiple days and, and uh, week-long seminars and things like that. But once I turned the corner and was, was basically going, I guess this is just a huge part of my life, um, I just dove in. I was like, all right, I'll move down to L.A. and, and uh, put in time at, at the academy with Guru Dan and then... Um, had some health setbacks that made me shift things and I went well alright don't know how much longer I can do this let's see where's the you know where are the best places for what I'm looking for so I went and I spent five months with um, in Atlanta with Sifu Francis and he from day one just took me under his wing and fed me everything I could possibly take in and uh, and then I got finished with that and kind of got to a place and I came here and worked with Rick and again just did as much as I could and yeah um, I'm kind of I'm generally actually quite lazy yeah same here um, so the f- the full immersion seems to be you know the all or nothing is really the only way yeah yeah same here same <laughs> so. here. yeah because I'm too lazy otherwise if I take a day off I'm too scared if I take a day off I might not come back so that's why I, I, I'm this exactly the same I'm exactly the same so how did you get how did you link up with uh, Larry Hartzell uh he taught a class at the Inasano Academy. Um, there was a there was a group on. I think it was Tuesday nights that, that it was a sparring group, and then um, I think it was Tuesday days that he had his class. And um, and he had someone. He I think he was doing seminars or something. I don't know. He was busy, and so he had he had someone subbing for the first two weeks of the slot of his class that I when I first got there yeah and I enjoyed the class and I had the time so I was doing it but the very first time that he showed up the first time I saw him was in a sparring class and yeah. right away I just was watching this guy move and I'd never I'd never seen a picture of Larry Hartzell I had never been a a, a, a geeked out JK, JKD nerd yeah I, you know I'd heard about it I liked it I read Dao Ji Kundo I thought it was brilliant and stuff but I never dove into that yeah. culture yeah um, so I didn't know who he was, but I was watching him and I'm just going, that guy, that guy doesn't just know how to do it. He's done that for real a lot. Like he mm. probably has more reps doing that for real than I'm likely to get in the next year just in practice. Yeah. And, uh, and I just recognized it right away. And, um, and I was kind of shocked at how many people kind of didn't you know people, his Tuesday class, you know, there'd be a class beforehand and, and then, uh, and then people would take off and there would be a very small group for his class but I thought it was absolute gold and um, and so he was teaching for I attended his class for a few weeks and uh, I would say it was purely timing and luck just right place right time right size right background I had an acrobatics background and uh he was demoing something on the concrete floor over by one of the pillars there. Wow. And, uh, and it was a wrist lock that he really threw on as more of a throw. And I just went with it, dove, tucked and rolled, came up, kept it off my face like, oh, I almost bashed my head into a ball. Yeah. And just walked back over. To, and, uh, and then he went on with things. And, and, but after that, 
uh, I think he sort of assessed like, okay, here's someone that I can, yeah, I can, uh, I can work with, and um, and I just became sort of demo guy for the rest of the time that I was with him. Yeah, how long? How long in total do you think? Uh, it was two and a half years. Right, and this was coming towards the end of his. It was the last two and a half years of his yeah. life. Yeah. You see, this is one thing. Uh, yeah, I admire I admire Harley on so many different levels, but his. Uh, his, his his ethics in, in, and his loyalty, especially to the to the memory of Larry, mm. is like it's, it's so evident, right? Um, <laughs> so uh, much so that uh, I had to call you out. Uh, but this is <laughs> you got to tell that story. Yeah, no, no, I'll let you tell this story. This is this, this is literally one of um, it. Yeah, we. We'd known each other for a, for a couple of years by this stage, and we were down at Wisconsin. Uh, we were at Lake Owen, where Rick used to have the camp there, and it was just awesome. Like you know, the, the, it was great, and we're working off that we're working off a punch, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a Parian Bridge to a Lopsar, was it? What, what, what uh, was it we were working? It, it, we were we were working off the punch, working the outside. Um, uh, Working around to take the back. Yes. And then sort of put them down, uh, knock the hands out, hit kind of thing. Yeah. But so the, 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 the entry was 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 Perry, BOG, basically grab the shoulder. We were keeping things yeah. we were We were having fun and we were smiling and, and things and, and Mick essentially just sort of had a brain fart and just didn't quite remember exactly <laughs> which way we were going with things. So, so the... the you know, the parry and hit to, to wrap around turned into sort of like a parry and get stuck and and then try to push the other way and, and okay, then, I just couldn't work it out yeah I just couldn't, couldn't work it out brain is gone and uh, and we both just start you know just immediately separated and just laughed because that's it's so fun when that happens in training and but just couldn't help it I just I just blurted out I was like oh Larry's up there looking down just shaking his head <laughs> and, and then what happens and, uh, oh right uh, yeah then Rick oh you, you got to tell the rest of it well so of course I'm working with the, the, like the last guy one, and not only one not, not the last guy uh, with Larry but one of the most legitimate guys he had you know what I mean that's the truth well so, it was me, me and uh, Tim Becker yeah so yeah. we were training partners and we were together um, I think there's a two-week difference in total time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the two of us were. So the, these are the guys. These are guys, you know, who basically had, yeah, they had Sifu Larry's back for for the last couple of years of his life. Without we're doing this, I can't get it. I can't get it. I can't get it. Go to do this takedown. Can't get it. Then Chris looks, and when you look at the picture, you'll see he, Chris is like myself. He's an unconventionally handsome-looking fellow, uh, so he basically looks like me with a beard. But anyway, uh, he looks up. He basically looks up, looks up to the sky, and he said, "Sifu Larry's looking down on you now, shaking his head." And then, literally five seconds after that, Rick Fraser just walks past me and takes me down with the figure four, the figure yeah. four takedown. That, that Larry Hartzell was like was famous so, for just so famous for and he did it and then I think he might have, he might have jumped on my stomach on the way past <laughs> as well and then that was immediately you know, Harley turns around and he said that was Sifu being channeled through Rick <laughs> right there so he says up your game so it was a uh, yeah it was it was uh, yeah, it's one of the best moments I've ever had really to tell you the truth of martial arts because it was just one of those for me especially, you know, to just 
when you're you're in the, you know we're in the company of giants, man. Mm. You know what I mean? We really are, and it's just so it, yeah, it's just so cool. Um, I'm gonna get well, you onto this. That yeah? reminds me though of you know because people will ask like, oh, why do you do martial art or what is it? And and, and uh, the answer that I usually don't share is there's it's there's just these magical times. Yeah, and and. Um, and literally, it's it, you know, just like with so much of martial art, it comes down to timing. <laughs> and and uh, since that's so much at the core of it, I think there's just we, we get these moments where you're like, you know, you have it with you forever. Yeah, that you know that is it. You know, you, you get you get moments where you just turn around and go, all oh, right, so that's what life's all about. Right. Yeah, that and it and literally it could be as simple as like you know, a figure four take down or a cup of coffee with the right person at yeah. the right time when you really need it. Uh, um, what's who's been the biggest influence? I know that depending on the day the day of the week, it, you know. So I, I know you're like me. You know, it's who you're surrounded by at the time. But who's been the biggest influence? On martial art, uh, on your uh, life, on my life, so, yeah, on your life, yeah. Oh, because um, the biggest influence on my martial art would be Tim Becker. Really, Being, he, he and I were training partners. Uh, we trained over twenty hours a week together for two and a half years. Um, you know, no one is more responsible for where I'm at now uh, than than him. He is right. my most influential uh, martial art teacher, friends, uh, training partner, everything. Um, just, just on the time and reps and the relationship that, yeah. you know, just, he's family. Um, but in terms of my life, strongest impacts, most influential, um, you know what? It's probably Joe Lau. Uh, he was an instructor at the Tracker School. Um, right. He has a Bujinkan background. Uh, he came up under Jack Hoban. Wow, Jack Hoban. Yeah. Wow, there's a name for you. Um, yeah. And he really taught me how to learn. Right. He gave, uh, he was passing on from, he, in a, basically an equation, as they refer to it, that he learned through Jack and through uh, one of Jack's mentors, a guy named Dr. Robert Humphrey. Right. I recommend everyone, everyone, uh, check out uh, Robert Humphrey uh, he's got a book called Values for a New Millennium don't let that fool you it, it's, a, it's a much more practical yeah uh, hard nose the guy has, the guy's amazing but um, and the equation is really simple you you take a principle um, which is something you can think of that as like a a, a law right? yeah a, but a, a law of physics a law of, of the, the the universe yeah um, and it's it, it doesn't have a form it doesn't have a there's no one way it can be it's infinite it's infinitely expressible but it's but it's definable and then you take a context um, which is just whatever happens to be in that moment yeah and you put those two together and that's where the form comes from that's where it comes out of and uh, we in our culture tend to focus on form like tech, which would be like yeah. technique yeah um, and you learn the technique and you go you know everyone's looking for that I want that technique that, that will beat everything if, yeah. you, if do right no can defend oh Miyagi yeah. and uh, but that's but, but it's really that's seeking the principle um, and uh, having the awareness of the context um, that allows you to just create the form in the moment uh, it just comes out you don't even it, it's not even you don't even create it it just gets created right and uh, and I find that as a as a way of learning how to learn 
um, that helps establish progressions. That helps you. It just it takes complicated things and makes them very simple, so that you can just take a piece at a time. And uh, if without that, I would. I'm a pretty bright guy. I, I, I think I would still do pretty well and learn. But that has probably had the most profound impact. Do you see? This is this is the thing. One of the things that I really do like about Chris is um, he has like this in a real nice way um, he's got this really super critical eye you can just the smallest of details we were working on the pads yesterday and it was just there was a few things I, I was just being lazy towards the end we'd you know the end of camp we'd banged a few pads and the, the thing is uh, for me um, in the trapping range, the, you know, Chris Harley's as good as it gets. You know, he re- no, he really is. Yeah, that's the truth, right? You know, you've put the time in. Mm. You've worked with, you know, Francis Fong right now. So, Sifa Francis, right now, where does he stand, you know, in the, in the martial arts landscape? Uh, landscape oh, when God. It, I mean... Light years ahead, right? It's... Uh, he is probably the best... Like, the best expression of JKD um, in not just how he moves, but how he teaches, how he thinks, everything. Like, it, it's... And by best, I mean, it's just clear. It's undeniable. I remember you, you've said this before. You said that he, he used... It's JKD in every single aspect of his life. Everything. Everything. He's just... He is... He just lives it. He just embodies it in a way that, that you can't ignore. Um, you know, it's... it's uh, I don't want to get him in any kind of trouble, but he doesn't have a Wing Chun school. He has a JKD school. Yeah. In right. my opinion. Yeah. You know, uh, in fact, well, he but he would say that he doesn't have a Wing Chun school either because he doesn't put Wing Chun. It's Francis Fong Academy. It's not Francis yeah. Fong Wing Chun Academy. So when people criticize him and say, oh, well, that's not, you know, pure Wing Chun, he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and how old is he now? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, he's got to be getting near 70. Yeah, how old does he look? Oh God, forty, the late thirties. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. The and thing. it can change. I mean, literally, you'll watch him in a seminar, and he'll ten years will fall off him. Yeah, yeah. Just he, he just he's so energetic and and vibrant and just loves the art and sharing it so much. It's, yeah, he's 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 something else, isn't he? He is inspiring as well. He is really something. As I said, we, we, yeah, with Chris's critical eye, he's he's helped me like. I mean loads uh, for you guys who are listening to this you know when I do seminars and I do some of that Jedi mind trick stuff where I I just move you just a little bit one side or the other uh, that's what I've got from Chris that's from Zico yeah well big time uh, you know this is the thing it's just you get it and you just pay, you just pay it forward who you got it from you just say well this is you know this is cool stuff you know this is really really cool stuff but um, for anybody who you know I, 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 I'm on record of saying this you know I, I know probably I, I would say top level guys five to six Wing Chun guys that I you know that, that I really really rate and but every single one of them Wing Chun will be the base art, base art and then they'll look at principles and everything from everything else mm. and then you know um, the, the real yeah I'm starting to get there now where I can look and I can see where the elements come from but to the untrained eye you would just look at it and go yeah that's Wing Chun mm. but then when you start seeing some of the other it, it just the, the subtleties and the layers and you 
You know, it's just that's absolutely one of the beauty. interesting things about Wing Chun, from my understanding. And again, most of what I've learned about it is through through Sifu Francis. So it's entirely likely that that the JKD influence, um, or what I see as the JKD influence. Uh, I actually look at JKD, and and when I look at when, now that I've finally done the research and geeked out about Bruce yeah. Lee, so, um, I kind of see that it's just a new name on the very same driving principles that are in Wing Chun. Yeah. You know, it's really just, let's take this expression into other ranges. Let's take this expression into other in, into other contexts. Let's take these principles, put them in different contexts, and then see what comes out. Yeah. And and so, um, there's it, it's very difficult for me to even separate the two. Yeah. I, I You see, this is this is the thing. One of the great, one, you know, one of the things that I really love, you know, um, from not just coming to America, but that was a great movie, by the way. Uh, yeah, let us all blow. Um, no, one of the greatest things that I've got from uh, martial arts is that I've gone out and I've met people that are way more intelligent than me, uh, but they've helped me start to expand. Uh, you know, not just you know, not not in the field of expertise because I don't really think I have any of that. But they've just made me turn around and go, right, okay, look at this in a different way. Yeah, you know, let's get a fresh pair of eyes on this. So let's have a look at it. And, but um, the correlation between somebody being very very skilled and you know and having all the you know, the accompanying. Yeah, character traits, should I say, in, in their personality. The real, like, I mean, the real giants have got it. Huh? It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's just mind-blowing to, to, to be able to be... Um, it, it, pedigree matters a lot to, to people in martial art world or different martial art communities in a way that I've never understood or... or Honestly, I don't actually agree with. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, because to me, it's not, you know, there's tons of people, oh, I've trained with this person, I've trained with that person, I've trained with that person. Great. Mm. What can you pass from that person? Yeah. Right? Like, I, it, I don't really, I'm not impressed or, or, or I don't think it's all that important that, I should rephrase. I think it's really important that you find the very best people <laughs> you can find. Absolutely. You know, seek the source as, get as close to it as you possibly can. Absolutely. But if it, if it's just about you training with them and you taking, taking, taking whatever you can get, um, it just seems so much smaller than what is possible and yeah. what's available. Like, I, I really see it more as... Uh, these people are just plain amazing. Yeah. I mean, to have someone who... I, I always use Michael Jordan as an example. You know, Michael Jordan is an undeniable athlete, an undeniable uh, tactician in his game. All I mean, he is all things great in basketball. Yes. He can't coach. No, he can't coach. <laughs> yeah, but you, you see, the, I've used this I've used this a few times. Um, there was, there's a guy in... Uh, in England and he's um, a football coach but he was a translator mm. because he looked at football he didn't look at football he didn't look at football like a footballer mm. he just saw it as problems to be solved and then the next thing you know he's like got a really really successful you know really really successful team you know but it's like he doesn't look at it he doesn't look at the problem the way we look at the problem right. you know that's the thing okay I'm going to just ask you because I know that you mentioned it earlier 
with health issues and stuff and how they've affected your training, right? And there's a, I've got a ton of great Chris Harley stories. Uh, how do you feel now? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Right, I pick one. Yeah, no, but I can't, oh, I can't. But Chris came out with a great line yesterday because we're meeting up, we're doing this podcast, we're going to go to the Mall of America, we're going to, uh, we're going to marvel at the consumerism of Americans. While I just go and buy my presents for my family, lastminute.com as always. Uh, but I said to I said to Chris, I said, so what time what time are you what time are you free at in the morning? And your, your exact words were, well, apparently I'm not that good before eleven now, <laughs> right? Uh, first of all, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll let Chris speak speak about it because he still he still operates at a real high level, I think. But he's really smart about how he trains, and even Rick Fay mentioned it over the weekend in regard to in, to, in regard to just what how much you were doing and understanding that getting up in the morning, the range of mobility and stuff. So for, just like you to expand on that. During one of the sessions, I couldn't make. Oh no no! Well, I think you were there. I thought you were there, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, still trying to actually figure out exactly what it is. It's been going on. Um, uh, five plus years, almost six years. Um, essentially, we boil it down to the mitochondria just don't work right in the muscle cells. Right. So, what it's led to is a bunch of different symptoms. And, and you know, I was going from over 20 hours a week of training uh, to a very rapidly, a walk around the block was about all the energy I had. Wow. Um, and that. You know, there's there's all the psychological stuff that goes with that. Besides just not being able to train, because you go from that much activity to not—I mean, you go stir crazy. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've had constant great support from all of my teachers, my training partners, my family, my friends. So that's always been really easy. Um, there's a lot of people with a lot harder yeah. things to deal with than that. Um, but what it did was it—it's it, actually probably the very best thing for my martial art. Really? It happened to me. Wow. Um, it's forced me to not muscle something, to really learn about structure, uh, learn, you know, get good, efficient mobility, um, not expend any ounce of energy more than, than I need to. Um, Economy of motion right it, there, right? It, 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 all the principles just have to, have to be in line for it to work. So it's really helped a lot. Um, you know, it it's, means that some stuff has gotten pretty rusty, and it does impact my 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 training habits sometimes. But um, the other, I joke, I'm like, it also got me out of LA, uh, <laughs> and, and I didn't even realize how miserable I was in LA until I couldn't train. Yeah, and you know, I'd been there four years, and all of a sudden I can't train, and I'm like, why the hell am I? How did, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, how did this happen to I mean, me? Which is which is a testament to how great the Inosano Academy is because that was my only reason to be there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it kept me sane. Um, but once I couldn't train for a while, so I, I moved home and um, it just forced me to reevaluate. And uh, and that has been nothing but awesome ever since. It's why I started traveling more. I ended up meeting so many more people. Yeah. Um, I now can do seminars with different groups because I've met all these different people and they sort of like that little, uh, I 
I think of myself as a as a spice trader. You know, everyone's got their school where they've got their great meat and yeah. they've got their their general cuisine of of art that they do. But every now and then, you know, I'll pop through and they're like, "Hey, that mustard stuff's kind of cool." Yeah, I, like I think that. I want it every day, but I kind of like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You want to come back in a couple months and you know, share some mustard for a weekend? Sure, that sounds great. <laughs> so. But but that well, that actually leads me on to I know that you've got plans. We talked about this about your school. Mm. Yeah, and uh, you know you've got some interesting ideas on, you know, running it. Yeah. Uh, well, not to. You know what? Actually, I'll throw this out because I don't know. You know, there's going to be health. I don't know. Uh, well, it, what what's going to come of it? But the base idea is, um, and and it'd be really easy to take this badly. So anyone who has a, a martial arts school. Um, I'm just defining terms differently for myself right now. Yeah. Uh, so don't, please don't think of this as insulting. Um, what I see a lot of places are martial art gyms. Yeah. And I want to open a school. I'm going to use martial art to teach at that school, but it technically wouldn't actually be a martial arts school. Um, it's very much the mission statement is very much in line with Rick's uh, slightly tweaked. It's basically to create, foster, and protect a space for people to learn who they are and uh, become efficient at expressing that. And uh, I That's think awesome. martial art is the absolute best way. Yeah. It, 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 the, the vehicle for personal development that Bruce used to talk about, it's, it's, it's even more relevant yeah. right now, eh? I mean, there, there probably are other fantastic ways. I just haven't learned them. So I'm mm. going to go with what I know. Yeah. I'm also bringing in a whole... Uh, you know, I've got uh, um, acrobatics background. I've got a uh, tracker background. Um, so my understanding of movement is... And I have a... a body worker background so how the body works and movement and the, the psychological aspects of that I just have this it's just a little different from what a lot of people bring to the table yeah. so I'm thinking hey why not share that since I'm going to be doing this anyway it might be nice if someone gave me no no they will do they will do it's uh yeah again it, yeah if you just listen to what you said there, you know, that the wealth of experience and knowledge is just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, especially in the UK. Um, I'll just get Chris to quickly explain what tracking skills are. Because in the UK, we, yeah, we can't find our phones. Sorry. <laughs> the, the, simple, the simple one is following footprints on the ground. Yeah. Right? But that's, the, the truth of it is, is tracking is how your brain works. Right. We are... Uh, People talk about human beings, you know, the opposable thumb sets apes apart and our tool making sets us apart from from other apes uh, to a degree and things like that and language and whatever. But my understanding, my experience, as you break all that down, we're a different temporal animal. We think of time, we exist in time differently. We conceive of it differently. Mm. And tracking is exactly the, that. It's seeing something in the present making an inference about the past from that evidence, and then making a prediction for the future. So you see the track here, you deduce um, what happened at that time, and then use that information to predict where it might be right now. That's would be, awesome. Would be sort of the grand thing. But that's just, so it's basically tracking as being a human being. So, I don't know, but that sounds like a pretty damn good skill. So look at what you've done in the past, see where you are in the future, and then have an informed choice about what you might be doing in the near future, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. It just, 
Um, I, I personally, I you know, I do like the whole tracker mentality myself. You know, of well, you, you spend time with George and Vanessa, and you just turn around and go, well, I, I'm not smart enough to work out why they do it. I'll just do it, and hopefully, I'll get what they've got out of it. That's that's the that's the deal. You know, what I mean, it it just doesn't get any better than that, right? So, you, you I'm going to ask you. This is uh, it's always a real lame question, but I like it. Best technique. Best technique. You know what? Uh, the very first martial art technique I ever learned. What was that? Um, I was at summer camp. I was six or seven years old, and I was taking a judo class. And the teacher said, okay, it was the very first thing he showed. I'm going to teach you all the very best self-defense technique that you'll ever learn. And I believe that he was dead on right. So basically, you put, you're going to put your hand like that. Yeah. Right? And then I'm going to go like this. Hi, I'm Christopher. Nice to meet you. Wow. <laughs> well, Chris Harley, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Oh, it's an honor, sir. Oh, man. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, brother. Next two shows are going to be quite amazing. We've got a road trip coming up. Yeah, that's right. Eric Paulson, Tonya Paulson, Mick Tully in the car, driving down, recorded it all. You're going to love it. All of a sudden, um, Hickson rode up on his bike one day when I went to practice, and he goes, yeah, now you're a pro. Maybe it's a good idea you don't train with me anymore. Wow. So I was so bummed out. I was like, well, shit. Here's my idol, my grappling idol I'm looking up to. Uh, I'm happy to be a part of and learn from him. And all of a sudden, he just comes up and says, sorry, you can't train with me anymore. You can listen to all our interviews on MixedMartialArts.com. Mixed Martial Arts is a Paint Your Headphones production. Wow. You okay, Annie? Uh, you just caught me. I'm just doing the last bit for Aunt McGinley. Say hello to Aunt McGinley. Hello, Aunt McGinley. Tell Aunt McGinley what day it is. It's Christmas jumper day. And I didn't know, did I? Because no, I... because you're so wrapped up in the world of martial arts, you don't hear anything else. She's brutal, Does isn't she? Listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>